I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. I want to do something that I've never done. I'm going to show you next Sunday's opening question. I think, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, this is next Sunday's opening question. Should Christians wear COVID masks? I'm going to tell you uh, where I stand in no uncertain terms next Sunday. But I told you it was next Sunday's question. But before we hit that, here's the thing. Before we hit that thing head on, I think we just need to ramp up to it a bit, okay? Going to ramp up to it with a modified version of one of my favorite sermons from the living room. If you remember back in the old days, sermons from the living room. I've modified one of those messages that I really liked to help us ramp up to next Sunday. So answer this. Are people who get the vaccine going to hell? Before you answer that, <laughs> before you answer that, please don't answer that. Let's talk about when and how to judge justly. And let's remind ourselves of Jesus' alarming warning. We hear this thing so much, we get inoculated to the truth, where it's like we don't feel really what we should feel when we hear this warning. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Start reading it with me here. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. <laughs> That's scary. And then it's more complicated because, as Paul writes, but it certainly is your job to judge those inside the church, that's us, each other, who are sinning. It's your job, huh? It's your job. Well, there's two types, two types of judging. So when you see judging in, in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, which one is it talking about? Because it'll use the same word, meaning two different things. One is just discerning, judging, like discerning, uh, distinguishing right from wrong and good from bad and healthy from unhealthy uh, in order to be constructive, okay? And then, and the other type is condemning. Condemning is unjust slamming. Criticizing for the sake of tearing down. Guess which one of these gals are doing? Right there. See, judge them, but don't judge them Okay, it's used two different ways, because we are called to discern, but we are warned not to condemn. You know why? So you can, so you can do your job properly, because it is your job, it certainly is your job to judge, but you gotta do that job properly. There's a purpose, it is in order to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace that we share here. It's got a really good reason. See, right after Jesus says, don't judge, you'll be judged, do not judge, you too will be judged. Right after he says that, he tells a very humorous story, a funny story, about what I like to call the one-eyed sin picker. 
And that's the guy going after the, the speck in the other guy's eye. We got this, this one-eyed sin picker arrogantly trying to pick a speck of threshing chaff out of his fellow worker's eye while ignoring this threshing log protruding from his own. And Jesus concludes this story by saying, uh, you hypocrite. And what's really funny here is this word hypocrite. Literally, it says mask wearer. You ma seriously, it says you mask wearer. Though depending on the situation, especially for us, it might mean a mask wearer or a mask not wearer. I'm just telling you that's what the word means. I'm not trying to in stick anything in your thoughts there. What I am trying to stick in your thoughts is that either way, he says first, what is it? First, take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly, take the speck out of your brother's eye. Work on the logs in our own, and then work on the specks. You know, we kind of get that backwards. We work on the specks in our own and the logs. So first things first, get the log out of your own eye. You, me, every believer. You see, or rather don't see, uh, we judge with ulterior motives that we hide even from ourselves. That's, that's what makes judging so, so dangerous. In fact, one of the most sobering, kick-in-the-pants stories of the Old Testament is when the prophet Nathan confronts King David, and he gives him a good, swift kick in the pants. And I love this story. He confronts King David about his sin by pretending that he's talking about someone else's. The end of the story, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, the man, this man, uh, the man who did this deserves to die. And then Nathan said to David, you are the man. And then I assume David said, you didn't let me finish. He, um, <laughs> he deserves to die of his hair. <laughs> Because we have this way of seeing things differently when it's on someone else than when it's on us. And so the question is, would you judge your sins differently if someone else was committing them? And the answer is yes. Yes, always. Everyone would. I mean, does. This is what we do. Which is why, first and foremost, just judging requires radical self-examination. If we're going to do our job, we've got to get the log out of our own eye. That means we've got to figure out all the things we're hiding from ourselves. And the reason is because we want to make sure that we are judging them exactly the way we want to be judged. Because just judging seeks to bless the one being examined. Okay? The goal is actually to help them. The goal, you know, your job is to judge those, to help them. To help them remove whatever's hindering their sight. It isn't just so we can stick our finger in their eye. And when you are aware of your own faults, you'll, you'll just do your job so much better. We all will. Do our job better because we'll empathize with those we're judging slash helping. And we'll see how compassion 
relieves what critical spirits only irritate. You want to you be the compassionate believer who judges slash discerns. See, the goal, the goal of your job is to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So stop judging by mere appearances, Jesus says to us. Stop judging by mere appearances, Jesus says. Make a right judgment. So, see, he knew there was the two, right? And so he said, well, how? Well, okay, not only uh, do we need humility and empathy, but we need the full story. Because there are three sides to every story. There's your side, my side, their side, right? And the truth, and the truth, otherwise known as God's side. And that's the side that's always hiding inside the other two stories. I like this story. There's an old gal riding in a taxi, okay? Old gal riding in a taxi, quietly reaches up and taps the driver's shoulder and says, hey. And he screams <laughs> bloody murder, runs the car up onto the curb. Her coffee goes everywhere. He yells, don't ever do that. And she throws her cup at him and curses and storms out without paying. And he looks in the mirror and exhales and says, okay, you're okay, you're okay. It takes time to shake 20 years driving a hearse. <laughs> so there's his story, that old broad scared me half to death. Which is what he's going to base his judgment on, right? There's her story, that crazy cab driver scared me half to death. Which is what she'll base her judgment on. And then there's the hidden truth. The guy's working through something. He's working through something. Romans 2.2 2 tells us that God's judgment is based on truth. That's who we're working for. That's who we're working with. That's who we're representing. His judgment is based on truth, as in absolute, all-knowing, even-handed all-loving truth. Whereas, me and you, we're usually sadly satisfied, reflexively, unjustly judging with partial truths. We feel very good about doing that. We shouldn't. And outward appearances. And the biggie, personal offenses. That's not the, that's not the time to judge. If we don't make every effort to gather as much intel as we can on what they are working through. Uh, we probably going to be in for an alarming King David shock when we're confronted by the Lord. Because we, we do this. We excuse in ourselves the very things we accuse in others. Which is a mask called hypocrisy that nobody should wear. And when we then condemn them, we also can't help it, we condemn ourselves. And so, you show me a cruel, critical tongue, and I'll show you a prideful, bitter heart. 
We love the prodigal son. Prodigal son is a picture of a repentant sinner. We love the prodigal son because we so identify. Uh, he's the picture of a repentant sinner. The prodigal son's father is a picture of our uh, receptive, restoring, heavenly father, all loving, kind. And the prodigal son's uh, judgmental, condemning brother is a picture of guess who? It's really us. It is whenever we're, whenever we're bitter. It's the bitter believer who fails to appreciate our father's forgiveness and kindness and love. And he answered his father, look, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Oh, so that's how you see it. And never disobeyed your orders. Oh, so that's how you lie. Yeah, you never, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I picture the father saying, well, I hate to break it to you, son. See, I have a problem because this has to be read very sincerely because the father represents the Lord. But it always strikes me so funny that I end up laughing. And so bear with me. I'm going to try to get through this because I picture the father saying, well, I hate to break it to you, son, but you don't have any friends. <laughs> but, you, but, you, but you don't have any friends. And you've had nothing to celebrate. You know how I know? Listen, listen to yourself. I'm sorry. Listen to yourself. I gave you two-thirds of the estate. It's everything that's left. Every goat here is yours. But you haven't celebrated anything with anyone. And you're mad at me. Because I have and I am. So do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, Paul asks us? Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? You're in the same boat? You know, and, and, and so judge from a position of superiority? I hope not. But it's like, if you do, then because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you know, it's like, get ready, King David. You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So we need to get the log out of our eye and the empathy into our heart. And we need to seek to find the hidden truth of what it is they're working through. And then if both sides are believers, we need to identify the disputable matters, okay? Because we're not allowed to judge those they're off limits. We don't talk about this nearly enough. A disputable matter, like COVID mask wearing, is an issue that's open to discussion and disagreement between sincere believers who are otherwise unified in their faith and in their desire to live like Jesus would. And sometimes it's very difficult to do our job of judging as in discerning 
when another believer is sinning in God's eyes. Because unlike the Pharisees who really had it easy, <laughs> the Pharisees who just went by one big checklist, there it is, nope, you're, you're bad, you're good, you're in, you're out, you're wrong, you're right. They just had the one big checklist. Unlike them, the Lord goes by the conscience. So how many different lists, well, how many different consciences are there? Because the conscience produces a customized list based on background and tradition and experience and dysfunction and our knowledge or our ignorance of scripture. Like, you know, think of how many disagreements I could make in this room right now. Is it okay, people, let's, is it okay for a believer to get a tattoo <laughs> on their face? Oh, well, okay, now I gotta draw the line there. How about to get their ears pierced? That's fine, I mean tongue. Oh, no, no, mm-hmm. Go to a casino? Is that okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> to work? On Sundays? What about smoking? Smoking okay? A, a pipe? No. Cigars? No. <laughs> so you got your Pharisee list. You're reading ahead. Cigarettes, you know, because you might say, well, pipe seems fine. And cigars, okay, a little if it's cigarette. How about weed? Oh, I got one for you. I got a good one. What if a cult, this is for you, Paul. What if a cult <laughs> built a snake altar in Burlington, sacrificed animals on it, and then sold the meat at Fred Meyer? <laughs> Would you buy and eat the meat? Would that be right or wrong to buy the meat? Support them. Would that be good or bad? That depends on your conscience. Because this, believe it or not, this is the very point Paul is making regarding this specific case. In Romans chapter 14, you had no idea Fred Meyer was this old. It's the only, it's the only part of it that I, that I added. This is what Paul's talking, all of chapter 14 is about this very specific matter. And to complicate matters for them, there was only one market you could buy from, and the meat wasn't marked, it was mixed in with all the rest. So what do you do? Well, Paul finds it very simple. Chapter 14, you accept him whose faith is weak. Whose faith is weak? The one buying and eating the meat, or the one saying, I refuse to eat any of that? Huh. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. You know, like people building a snake altar and sacrificing animals and selling it at the store. He says, one man's faith being strong in God's word allows him to eat everything without violating his conscience. Because, you know, God's triumphed over all and they're not even real. But another man whose faith is weak... And he's talking about being feeble in the word. Eats only vegetables. He's not talking about vegetarians. He's talking about this very specific instance. But his point is he eats only vegetables to avoid violating his conscience with any potential Fred Meyer snake idol meat. He says the man, here's the point, the man who eats everything must not look down on, condescend to him who does not eat. And the man who does not eat, <laughs> the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. 
For God has accepted him. And you don't want to be on that opposing team. You see, the seeker, in this case, was weaker in God's word and therefore was violating their conscience by eating idol meat because they still believe those false gods were real. And it's like, don't respect those false gods like that. They're nothing. It means nothing. Oh, no, no. We know this because Paul explains it. Paul's, Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthians about them. He says, for us, meaning those in the know who understand the word are grounded, for us, there is but one God, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Side, do you think, represents the mask wearers and the not wearers, the eaters or the not eaters? Hmm. Well, keep it to yourself till next Sunday. We're not talking about that now. For now, what I want you to notice is that both sides were unjustly judging the other. The eaters saw the non-eaters as ignorantly cautious. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do The not eaters saw the eaters as heartlessly reckless. And don't try to read into that for next Sunday. It's a completely different issue. It's not a one-to-one. Other than both were convinced they were just doing their job of judging those inside the church. And God was not happy. And Paul says, The not-eater's faith, in that case, the not-eater's faith is weak. He doesn't say it's sin, because it wasn't. God has accepted him. Because just as the stronger believers ate what they ate to the glory of God, the weaker seekers avoided what they avoided out of misguided devotion to God. And God was very okay with that. We'll talk a whole lot more next week on this, which is why the real God-angering sin came in the condescending and condemning over disputable matters between us believers. You can discuss and you can disagree. We should. Can't condescend and condemn. After all, Paul winds up with, who are you? Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand. He will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand, even without your help, without your support. Though the Lord would much rather have your help and have your support, because it certainly is your job to judge those inside the church who are sinning, but it is your job to humbly empathetically, compassionately judge those who are inside the church, who are actually sinning by violating clear scriptural commands or even just their own unclear conscience so that we can lovingly keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace because that's what we do at His place. We're one family. 
So just make sure that you're doing your job with a humble heart and a good eye and clear-cut scriptural commands. Whatever the situation, we're all in the same boat. We've got to rely on God's wisdom for our timing, our approach, and our words. And that means that we are responsible to make every effort to find the hidden truth that's inside every story. Because God's judgment is based on truth. And he's always working on something. I like this. You may remember this story. It's one of my favorite. A classy elderly lady in an airport buys a pack of cookies, right? Buys a pack of cookies and a cup of coffee at an airport, sets it down on a seat between herself and a very disheveled man wearing a Christian cross. And then she goes to buy a Christian magazine. And when she returns, the cookie bag is open and he is chewing on something. So she sits down, she pulls the cookies beside her, sips her coffee, and reads. But he keeps reaching over and sneaking more cookies. She tries to ignore him. But when he finally just takes the bag and empties the last one into his hand, is enough, she just turns and glares. And he breaks it in half and sheepishly smiles and hands half to her and she slaps it out of his hand and swears at him and storms off. Now she could have been much less judgmental. She could have been much more gracious. And later she really wished she had been when she opened her purse to get her wallet and found the unopened cookies that she bought at the airport. Well, those were his. But by now she's in a taxi. She can't go back to apologize. So as she's sipping her coffee and eating her own cookies this time, she silently prays, Lord, help me to learn to not be so quick to judge. And the Lord answered and he whispered to her heart, share your cookies. So she quietly reaches up and taps the driver's shoulder and says, hey. <laughs> so there's, there's his story and there's her story. And maybe by now the not so hidden truth that everybody's working through something. Everybody. God is at work. Can I get an amen? amen? Everybody's work. We're all working through something. Boy, do we share that. So, let's just agree to take a good look in the mirror. Take the cookies out of our own purse and just judge justly. And oh, are, are, are people who get vaccine going to hell? That depends entirely on whether or not they've made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life and their Savior. What's a vaccine got to do with it? Nothing. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We worship you. And we seek, this, especially this week, to speak only just judgments that align with your word and serve your eternal best. So Holy Spirit, help 
Empower us to quickly discern the difference between disputable matters and sin. And Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for the riches of your kindness, tolerance, and patience. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs>